0: Everybody. welcome to another drive-through board game blog. Uh, today, I've got another top 10 list for you. I did promise that I would do a few more through this year. Uh, a couple of things. Uh, one thing I did mention that I would be like doing the top 10 music albums or artists or something, and I've been kind of like playing with that one over the last few weeks. I'm not going to do that. I know I said I would. I usually, do what I say, but I hate ranking music <laughs> i'm i hate ranking games i'll be honest with you i i like you know talking about games and talking about what's good and bad but i really don't like uh, in a lot of instances top 10s and things like that uh, i think in this kind of case today i'm doing it i think it's kind of a fun top 10. Uh, when i do the end of year best of year list that's really stickly for me i'm kind of breaking down a little bit of my own uh barriers and principles to a degree Mostly for just means of transmitting the information of the games. I really liked uh, When I take a step back and I'm kind of just take a break from the whole like reviewer bit in my brain uh, i hate that I don't like ranking that because to me games are pieces of art and Yes, some work mathematically better than others But once you get through that whole mess and you can just get to something that works and something that works and something that works Then comparing those is kind of weird um, but I found, and this is something that I've stuck with me since as long as I can remember, that I really despise and detest uh, ranking music above all things. I mean, even movies, like I can kind of deal with it, and games to a degree, I can deal with it. But music, for some reason, uh, if you had to ask me, like, you know what my favorite kind of hobbies were, whatever my interests that are sort of superficial in some ways, but it would be games, and it would also be uh, music, maybe more than games in a lot of ways, even though that doesn't really make sense because I do (laughs) videos about games and not music. But I think music is so ingrained in myself and lots of people, I mean, most people I would say, uh, I don't like ranking it. So that's not gonna happen. I can't do it. It it just, I can't do it at all because music is just such like life to me. It's just art and breathing and everything. So that's not gonna happen. I will maybe do top 10 comic books because then I don't take it seriously as I take music, obviously. Uh, So I might do that or something to substitute that in. Uh, the other thing is, this is gonna be kind of released at the same time as a podcast with uh, Eric Tao of the Push Your Luck Podcast. We actually talked about the top seven uh, underrated games. Now there is actually some crossover between that list and this one, which is my top 10 guilty pleasure games. Uh, so I won't spoil what the crossover is, but there's a little bit of crossover, but some folks had asked me specifically to do this list and Eric had mentioned, hey, let's do a top 10 underrated, top seven. Uh, so I, I kind of thought it was interesting to sort of look at the difference in where the crossover is and isn't, because underrated is a game I feel like it's good, but it should be rated higher, probably, at least that it is on BoardGameGeek. Game Geek, and Guilty Pleasure is like, I think it's good, but I'm pretty sure a lot of other people don't, and I'm kind of okay with that, <laughs> so it's, it's different, but kind of the same. So I'll put links to that here. We're gonna kind of release them at the same time thereabouts. And uh, so I'll have links to his podcast in there. And also I just wanted to mention as a little uh, plug for Eric, uh, he did a visit the New York Toy Fair recently and he'll be putting up some videos and interviews with publishers and things along that line. I don't know details, but he will put that up and I'll put some links to his channel there. So let's jump into the top 10 guilty pleasure games after all of that to do. Uh, first honorable mention, I will do one, it is Tesla versus Edison, War of Currents. And the reason this is an honorable mention is because I do see that the designer, at least to a degree, is aware of some of the issues that some people have with the game and they are coming out with an expansion and play testing some different, uh, I don't know if you call them variants, but a little tweaks to the gameplay. A lot of folks have issue with kind of how the stock market works. And I will say that within my own game group, uh, some folks have had issue with the stock market and others, myself and not only myself, but others have also enjoyed how that works and had a great time with the game. Uh, so I will just leave that as an honorable mention. I definitely am going to hold on to it and wait for the expansion to see what kind of tweaks and stuff that are coming there. They've kind of spoiled a little bit in terms of what they're trying to play test on Board Game Geek and all that stuff. Uh, but I would say this is kind of a guilty pleasure because I do understand that a lot of people have some issue with just how overbearing and dramatic really the stock market is. But that's like. I like that. I mean, that's the thing I kind of live for. The rest of the game kind of feels a little bit superfluous, um, but I think that's okay. And I kind of like that. It, it, that's kind of a hard thing to pin down. Sometimes you have a heavy anchor, you know, weighing down on a game. The one thing that comes to mind is a Nautilus, which has this crazy, like, doubler turn thing. So you take your actions and you build your ships in that game. And then you have this one kind of massive activation that you can just do everything twice, at, at being very, uh, you know, short in terms of that. Uh, that's not quite accurate but it's pretty much like you get this one massive turn you've got to decide when to pull the trigger and for some reason that fell flat with with me so sometimes a heavy anchor kind of you know dictating the rest of the game is good and sometimes it's not and it's going to depend on the folks so number 10 is exploding kittens and this is definitely a guilty pleasure game now this game is actually fun and the reason it's fun you can go watch my review is because when you draw an exploding kitten card from the deck you're basically dead you're out of the game but if you have a diffuse you can diffuse it you get rid of the diffuse card it's gone forever and then you put the kitten the exploding kitten back into the deck now you can put it right on top of the deck you could stick it at the bottom of the deck you could put it one card down from the top You could throw it in the middle, and that is just hilarious, and it's just, it's silly fun. There is a little bit of, not hand management, but a little bit of kind of card counting and sort of building up a card advantage, if you will, to, you know, skip turns and do all kinds of stuff like that, Uh, but that, just that little mechanic there of, hey, I'm going to take the kitten, put it back in the deck, hand you the deck, and say, where did I put the kitten? And you just kind of look at the person dead in the eye and just that makes for a fun, silly moment. And I think that that is overlooked in some ways. I would definitely not say this one is underrated obviously because it's kind of silly and it's a little bit of a one note punch there, but it's fun and we broke it out a couple of times over the last year and just had a good time with it. So I do feel like it is a guilty pleasure because We played at lunch at work and we all laugh and have a good time and it's just silly. Uh, So that's number 10. Number nine is the new versus system two player card game because I think the game is excellent. I do feel like this LCG style of game is not something that I normally can get played very often Uh, So I get it out once in a while and play it online a little bit. I think the game is going to get the expansion that it needs soon. There was actually a delay. They had some issues with the card quality. Uh, It was supposed to have been out already as the time of this recording. And I think it's going to be another month, maybe even a little bit more from what I understand. Uh, The spoiling of the cards that they've done for the expansion has me really excited. And I've talked to several people that are really into this game as well. And they're really excited about it. Uh, because one the critique that i've heard levied against the base game is it's a little bit easy mode basic mode uh yes and no i mean there's not a lot of like digging for cards and kind of crazy combinations of cards but there's a there's a lot of strategy in terms of how you formate your your uh heroes and villains and all that stuff on the board and all that so there's a little bit under the covers there that i think you know one play is certainly not going to give you Uh, but uh i think there's gonna be some cool crazy combos and some very thematic abilities and there's going to be very cool characters in this uh, upcoming expansion a lot of the netflix uh, superheroes so there's some daredevil and punisher um and there's no jessica jones which you know that's disappointing but you know what are you going to do maybe she'll be in the future set at least that i know of there might be a jessica jones that they haven't spoiled yet uh luke cage card and some other things So it looks really, really cool. And I kind of feel like it's a guilty pleasure because nobody on BoardGameGeek talks about this at all, but there's a big massive uh, Facebook group dedicated to the Versus System trading card game or a two-player card game, I should call it. A thousand, more than a thousand people now. And there's a quite active community. Uh, you know uh, there's some trolls on there too but most of us are pretty active and positive about the game and have a good time with it and so there's a lot of good folks on there Uh, and uh, so that's what gaming is all about of course community and so we have a great time with it and the game needs to be talked about more so it's a little bit underrated but it's also kind of a guilty pleasure because it's sort of just kind of off on its own that was number nine Uh, number eight is sons of anarchy And this one is a guilty pleasure, but I also feel like this one's a little bit underrated and overlooked. I don't really see many people talking about this. There are some a few folks that I know that have reviewed it uh, and reviewed it favorably, which of course I agree with. And it's kind of one of those games that it's a little bit dark, I think, for a lot of people because it's kind of like a reality crime game a lot of crime games they've got your kind of cartoonish mafia folks there's several games like that Uh, you know you're in it's kind of set in the past so it's a little bit you know hands off you can kind of distance yourself from it because it took place like in the 20s and 30s or whatever so that's long you know a generation or few past Uh, whereas sons of anarchy is very much a modern Brutal, visceral crime type of thing. There's drugs depicted, prostitution, you know, illegal pornography and stuff like that. Uh, now, there's no imagery in the game that would, you know, suggest any of that necessarily. I mean, it's not like overtly X-rated or anything, but all of that is is very plain, and that's what you're doing, and that's the role that you take. And so that's a very dark and it it you know it's an awful thing but it's also it's an escapist kind of thing and there's a lot of brutal sort of you know combat and it's kind of like a euro game in some places where you have like worker placement and you know area control you're trying to take over territory you're killing other biker gang members and you're trying to sort of lock down and control the different crime uh, you know businesses in the different areas and stuff like that and try to keep the heat down and stay away from the police and sell drugs and sell guns and use guns in combat Uh, So there's a little bit of guilt, not really. I mean, anyway, that's a psychology argument, but not guilt necessarily in playing the game, but it's sort of a guilty pleasure, Uh, you know, going into that sort of dark underworld and playing crime in a way that is a little bit more realistic-ish. I mean, it's a little bit also uh, sensationalized and glorified in a way that's probably not healthy. Uh, depending on who you are playing the game. I'm, anyway, that uh, so it's a little bit of a guilty pleasure and I don't see a lot of people talking about it. It's a really excellent game. with kind of a mix mash of, uh, you know, Euro and dice combat. And so it's a lot of fun. Uh, so that is number, let's see, 10, nine, eight. Number seven now will be Space Cadets. Uh, this is one that I do 100% feel is underrated. It is an interesting game, and it's to me it's strange that it's not in the top 100. To be honest with you, because there's not any game like this. Uh, you know, each player has their own you know role that they get, and their role is a very much an asymmetric mechanic that is distant and apart from all the other roles. So if I'm shooting stuff, I'm flicking discs, I'm putting together this sort of like targeting matrix of Tetris pieces. If I'm running the sensor like Uhura, you know, you're digging through this bag kind of blindly feeling, you know, sort of like sensing out. Um, you've also got like a, a radar track kind of thing where you have the, um, the tractor beam where you, you're looking at the different uh, tiles and it's kind of like a memory game. Uh, you've got this kind of like poker hand thing for the shield. So all these different mechanics of robo rally for the cards movement, uh, sort kind of programmed the card movement kind of thing. And when the game has gone off for me, it is just an absolute riot. Uh, you know, people are doing different things. People are yelling at you for missing or for flying us into an asteroid or whooping and hollering when we, you know, blow the other ship out of the sky or make it to the end of the mission. Uh, fantastic game. Uh, and There's part of me that understands because so many people bring it up that must be true, right, where they say it takes a long time to play, it takes a long time to teach. That hasn't been my experience Um, to me as a person that seems to always be teaching the game as the captain, I kind of do very little i um, kind of manage, you know, all the different roles, but I can teach all the different individual roles and then just jump into the game and everybody's good to go. And then we're off and of running. We do bad the first couple rounds and then, you know, everything gets good. Um, so personally, that's not been my experience, but I understand since I hear it enough that the experience of some folks is it's a lot to take in, a lot of different rules, a lot to digest um so i get that so i can understand why it is not ranked i mean it's not like it's ho- horribly ranked and though know, a lot of people don't hate it i don't think i'm sure some do but i get it i get it some people don't like it and that's okay uh, so number six is a sentinel a tactics uh, this is one of my favorite games of all time for sure right up there with space cadets and uh, this is one that i am a little bit interested about because the designers and publishers have mentioned that they're going to kind of revisit uh, sentinel tactics uh, so i think it's not one i i haven't really seen anything super negative about it and i don't know why it isn't more like that. i don't worry too much about it but i haven't seen anybody really slag on it uh the combat system is very interesting the different decks for the different characters and heroes and villains is really interesting that whole mechanic of like having two powers to choose just a presentation of it is really good in terms of like playing through comic books or you know just building up um, you know, squads and going at each other Now, the miniatures aren't the greatest in the world, so I might be getting a little bit of slog, I guess, because if you're a miniatures gamer, you'd probably look at it and be like, oh, this is bad, and just kind of go from there. I don't know, I don't think I've necessarily seen that. Uh, But they are saying that they're gonna revisit it a little bit, so I'm a little bit curious about that. Maybe they found some things through some of the complaints and stuff. Uh, There's a few things I really like about it is it's relatively quick to set up for this kind of game, kind of a skirmish miniature combat game. Uh, the rules are very easy to teach. The dice mechanic is really engaging, like I said, and also the card mechanic is really engaging. But you can get a game of this played in about 30 to 45 minutes. Uh, and that's really neat uh, because it'll play quick and, and fast, and it plays much quicker and faster than much of the other games kind of in this uh, genre so i like that about it so it makes it easy to play it it's kind of back to back as well and i just find that the combination of the mechanics the dice and the cards really is very thematic so if you've got somebody that kind of flies around and you know kind of buffs everybody up then that's really a different way that the mechanics work uh, versus uh, if you're like a, the flash type of character you're gonna speed around and you know that's very different um, and the different villains have a kind of different modes and things that they can get into uh, I'm trying to think of different stuff uh, like the raw character uh, is very much a direct damage character so just everybody has that same kind of core mechanics but just the little tweaks and everything are very thematic and they work very well And they make a lot of sense and they give you that real superhero sense um, which I've always kind of been looking for uh in a a game there's there's plenty of games nowadays that have like superheroes in them but this one really feels like the superhero game to me all right that's number six and number five is relic and this is basically talisman in the 40k universe and uh, really i think by rights i should not like this game and sometimes i have a hard time figuring out why I enjoy this game. And I think it's just one of those games where you can kind of like turn your brain off to a degree and then just kind of play it and let the game play you a little bit. Now, as those words leave my mouth, there's a certain falsehood to them because there is room for decision-making. There is definite, uh, you know, sort of easy sort of choices to make in the game. And you can kind of go different ways, you know, with your character and you can play now with all the expansions. The game in several different ways Um, and it has a sense of adventure to it that i can't quite put my finger on but it's interesting to kind of build up your character you get new items you can kind of build up your stats and explore in a sense the board and bounce around and find different monsters let the game kind of take shape and then you kind of have a little bit more decisions to uh, to go on and you can kind of stay away from one part of the board and go to the other. And, you know, you're worried about Billy over there racing up and he's he's getting ahead of you, whatever the objective might be, because the objective can change every game. And so it's just kind of one of those silly, fun games. In, in a lot of ways, kind of like Exploding Kittens, but just to like, you know, a different degree uh, that I really have a good time with. So uh, number four is Impulse as a Carl Shattuck game. And this is one that I've maybe 50% of the people I play it with like it, and the other 50% don't really care for it. I love the game. I think it's a lot of fun. It does a great job of this, doing this like 4X space exploration empire building in a card game in less than an hour. Unless, unless you play like six players, then it's gonna go over an hour probably. But um, really fun, fast, chaotic to a degree but there definitely is uh, room to maneuver and do strategies and you know try to play a little bit tactically uh, with this game and it's really really enjoyable it does have some of those more dramatic moments in terms of the combat and the card play now i can understand that a lot of people find it chaotic and that's fine i don't (laughs) so i don't this one i don't really see uh, the chaotic viewpoint i mean i understand it that people are going to have that viewpoint and that's fine like i get it i get that it, people find it chaotic but it's not at all to me to me it's all about knowing the deck of cards and all, learning all that stuff and that takes a couple of plays to get in through but you can certainly make decisions based on what you know in the game that may or may not pay off but you might get close so um you know we'll find we'll talk more about that in a minute but uh but yeah so that uh i like impulse a lot now number three is dark darker darkest and the reason this is not more light i think is because their first rule book was Uh, missing rules and uh, a little bit unplayable and they made a tweak to how fire works in the game but i really enjoy this you got to get the second edition rules i've said that a hundred times on this channel Uh, but it's a really fun resident evil the board game uh, style game you go into the big mansion with you and your other uh, heroes and you play in this modular configurable mansion and you're trying to get at one of a p- couple of po- possible uh, boss monsters uh, kind of like a video game and you're going through and trying to unlock you know different locks and and get putting together this like cool little combos. so it feels it has like that kind of it's kind of like Resident Evil, but also like those click adventures, like Monkey Island. It's like super abstracted, though. We're like, okay, I got this color key here with this one. I can go all the way back over here, unlock this, unlock this. And once you unlock all the stuff, you trigger like the boss mode, and then you flip up one of the random bosses, and the boss goes tear through the house and just destroying everything, so you've got to kill that at the end. And the way that the map kind of is built at, at the beginning of the game, it really is going to kind of dictate your your skirmish style tactics and the way the zombies spawn and the way the fire spreads. Uh, So there is some uh, agency that the players are given to dictate style of game that you're gonna play. You could have like a large room with a bunch of zombies or lots of little corridors. And so every time you kind of play the house, it's a little bit sort of like, uh, i guess not really like a roguelike but kind of like you know in diablo 2 you'd play it and you'd go into the dungeon and be like oh it's a little bit differently laid out this time you know uh, but it actually has more meaning in here with the layout uh, but yeah definitely take a look at this one if you can find it and you can probably find it for cheap <laughs> Uh, The number two is Aeroplanes, and this is a Martin Wallace game from Mayfair, and it is about the airline industry in Europe, uh, kind of at the dawn of the airline industry, and a lot of people seem to not like it. Well, I've played with my group, and I don't think anybody in my group doesn't like it. They may not be their most favorite game, but everybody I've played with has really enjoyed it. I think at the five-player count some folks were kind of iffy on that I, I do remember distinctly playing a five player game or two uh, back when it came out and there were some people that kind of grumbled a little bit about it just because you could kind of there could be a little bit of time between your turns uh, but definitely at the three and four player count which I've mostly played it at uh, I haven't really heard any complaints and actually the family really enjoys this one now there is some definite luck because you're kind of rolling your dice and expanding your airport network going on these kind of risky flights possibly to large Um, and uh, distant places that are more and more difficult to get to Uh, but I like that it's it's got a nice thematic quality sort of the, the initial troubles of airline travel and you know just kind of setting up a sort of business model in a sense uh, you know, dealing with the, the catastrophes of, uh, you know, flying different places and weather and that, you know, the course of course, the quality of the airplanes back then. Um, but there's a lot of mitigation and stuff that you can do, lots of planning. There's a little bit of cutthroatiness to sort of steal other people's airports and sort of upgrade them, uh, you know, sort of expand your 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 flights. It's, I guess it's not really your airports, of course. It's, it's like you're getting the flights out of that city and stuff. Um, so there's a lot of cool mechanics and stuff like that. It uh, doesn't look the prettiest because it's kind of in the the stage that Mayfair's in, especially at that point in time where their components weren't that great. They seem to have been kind of improving, actually, last year. Uh, but uh, really an enjoyable game, and I think definitely overlooked for sure uh, in terms of how uh, you know it plays out. I think there's, there's some good stuff in that game for sure. That was number two. Uh, number one is Urban Sprawl. Uh, this is one of my favorite games again, and I do also understand why people don't like this game because you can have these random events come up uh, in the town deck and so this is a game where um, you know you're building a city kind of like sim city in a way not really uh, but you are collectively building a city with other players and trying to win political office and kind of set up different types of buildings on the board that so, you know businesses and also like more residential and civic buildings as well and trying to make them yours so when different election cycles come up you can sort of reap the advantage of you know having owning uh, different building types in different sectors and stuff now there's a lot of random events that come up through the cars and so you can have a stack of like a bunch of events that happen one after the other I don't necessarily have a big problem with that at all uh once you play the game a couple of times you know what's in there so you can kind of know to set up and put try to put yourself in the best position possible now a game that i've been playing a lot recently is through the ages and i didn't really realize this before but this Orbis sprawl really reminds me of through ages in a lot of ways because you have this kind of row of cards that you're drafting and you're trying to you, you take those and then you, you play them to sort of build up your your engine in a way and but then you have these kind of events now and through the ages you get the events dealt to you and then you can see them into the deck and they'll come out randomly but this is like somebody's just seated all the events for you and you don't know what order they're going to come out but once you know what the events are you can try to set yourself up in a position to you know score on those opportunities better than the other players and you've got to be real mindful about managing you know how you put the buildings out in a way that will generate money for you so you can kind of keep your like kind of engine going um but again you're trying to really plan for these elections and and set yourself up to kind of have like a dominance or area control there now first blush the game is going to seem like super chaotic or random but once you get into it like i said then it becomes very, very interesting, and I like it because it's a city-building game where not everybody also has their own little city off on their own. You're competing directly for space. You're, you're trying to be sort of this kind of slimy you know, guy in a suit working with City Hall or in City Hall in some cases and trying to you know, suck out all of the money and power of a city just like lots of people like to do. Um, so I like that aspect that you're kind of in there competing, but also cooperatively and maybe accidentally building up a city, uh, you know, that is prosperous. You're kind of you're going from sort of a small kind of town up into a city at the end of the game that could actually be capable of hosting the Olympic Games, for example. Um, so it's interesting to see how that works, kind of the growth of that city over time and all that kind of stuff too but again I do see that people would play the game you know once or twice and maybe feel like it's chaotic and you know a little bit random for sure Um, but it's a game I've really enjoyed and I will say probably best at two or three for sure it's excellent in a two player game uh, but it's okay at four but that's going to go a little bit long and stuff so I can see kind of the chaos versus the length Um, but it's not even more chaotic than through the ages I don't think All right, I know I'm going to take some hits for that, but I've been playing Three Ages for a lot lately, and I've seen lots of games decided by the row of cards. (laughs) So, all right, so that's my top 10 guilty pleasure games. These are games that I really like, but I can kind of see, you know, how other people don't really like them. Uh, So definitely take a look at Eric's uh, and my other podcast about the underrated games. You know, some of these are for sure on there. Uh, and those are kind of more like, I feel a little bit more certain that, hey, these are just overlooked. These are actually good games. Um, you know, take another look at them and that kind of thing. Or where, <laughs> where some of these like Exploding Kittens, for example, like, you know, whatever. Don't play that if you don't want to, obviously. Um, but yeah, there you go. Thanks.